Welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. How's your week going? My week is going okay. What is happening in the news? I, I left Twitter for Lent, and so I have no idea what's going on. We have 96 Democratic candidates for president. <sighs> you missed? You might have missed a few. No. My <laughs> last day on Twitter, I think... I think was, no, Hickenlooper was Monday. I was in a meeting all morning where I was like speaking or supposed to be listening to people talking to me. So I did not also tweet. (laughs) I resisted the urge to tweet. And, you know, I read that Kevin Roos story from like a week or two ago where he went to like a therapist to help him. He's the guy who covers social media for the times and he went to somebody to help him break his addiction to his cell phone and to social media and I was like I'm, I wasn't inspired to fully detox but I was inspired to do slightly less anyway but it sounds like you've you're going off for Lent. Have you done it before? Have you gone off Twitter for Lent? Uh, I not uh, not for Lent. There was one time when I tried to just I took the app off my phone in hopes that that would lead to more responsible consumption and but I wound up just like pulling up Twitter in the browser, oh. like I like a like a junkie, yeah. like that just was like I will get my fix any way I right. can, and that was bad. So I really needed to get religion involved, <laughs> or else I was yes. there was no chance of success. Uh, I've been successful so far. The only thing I allow is I allow myself to tweet my daily Wally picture. Yes. But I can't look at anything else when the app is open. I just I open the app, I tweet, I close it out. So there could be all sorts of garbage dumpster fire nonsense in there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I t- don't want to know. I took the advantage of you being off Twitter to like <laughs> poke fun at somebody in the name of the pollster's Twitter account. I was like, well, Kristen's not going to get an alert. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Who? Wait, tell just me some him. random because per- I, you know, I, I pushed out the um, like the Florida <laughs> poll, and someone's like, aha, I have read your bio, Margie, and. You know, I have discovered that you've done Democratic work, so therefore this poll that you tweeted done by some outlet in Florida is obviously <laughs> You garbage. literally disclosed that in the first six <laughs> seconds of every show we tape. I know, right? So okay. anyway, I made fun of them. That's, that's acceptable. <laughs> that, I'll allow it. I was it. like, I'll allow it's it. not on Twitter. I'm going to unleash my snarky Margie <laughs> under the cover of the pollsters with her face on it. <laughs> so that's like, that's the big excitement, basically. Okay, well. Uh, so you haven't missed much. <laughs> friends, if Margie's going obviously, I'm taking really care. Kevin Roos's story to heart. <laughs> if, if Margie goes real off the rails, I am still using Instagram. Kristen manages the Find Twitter account. Find me there. Post panicked comments on like the latest post of whatever, like whatever food I've eaten or whatever. Yeah, you know, pretty sunset. I've just Instagram to be like, you need to get back on Twitter ASAP. Margie's, Margie's gone rogue. <laughs> No, I'm not giving up my phone. <laughs> I don't care what you say. The other reason why I did it was in the new iOS system, you can do like a screen time yes. limiting. Yeah. Like a parental control, but for yourself. I have that. And every day I'm like, ignore. Oh, yeah. But it is a good kind it of It pushed me an alert button. that was like... Yesterday, you only used social media for six hours. That was less than usual. And I was like, (laughs) holy God, what? And I I think like I had been on a train and so had been just sort of idly scrolling. But I don't know how I calculated it, but that was a... Because the screen time, I'm like, well, I could be writing very important emails with strategic advice and prices, you know? I I set it to alert me about my social media. And when it was like, you used social media for six hours yesterday, that was a decline from before. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. That is unhealthy. Yeah. Again, I think the way they're counting it, like when I'm sitting on the train, just like idly scrolling through. Right. And then I read a news article, but I've still got sure. Twitter open. I think it's counting that. Yes. So this but it still So we're unhealthy. just going to be in the booth here for like five hours to kind of, as a way to scratch that same itch. <laughs> but when we talk about 2020, I think you mentioned that at least one or two people have said they're not running. Yes. So you'll, you'll have to refresh me on who those people are well, when we talk the damn 2020 field. I'm all briefed on who those people are. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not following it at so all. So <laughs> this week on The Pollsters, the emergency declaration, the numbers are in, and it looks like an unpopular path for the president to pursue. He got some good news from the NBC Wall Street Journal poll, but some bad news from Quinnipiac. 
Quinnipiac, we will discuss. We'll also talk about the Dem 2020 field. Do they want a lover, not a fighter? That's Morning Consult's caption, not mine. Um, We'll talk about the Infinite Dial, the big annual study of where people are getting their media. And then finally, polling the pollsters. How is the political consulting industry doing? They ask a bunch of insiders and we will discuss. Yes. Didn't poll me. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't call you? No. The poll is invalid. (laughs) We were left out of the sample. Yes, that's right. Invalid, invalid. Okay. So first is, I remember last week we talked about the emergency declaration and Michael Cohen. And we said, we don't have any polling on any of that stuff. But this is a new day. It's next week. We have polling on all that stuff. Yep. So the latest polling on the emergency declaration, Quinnipiac has American voters disapprove 66 to 31 percent of President Donald Trump using emergency executive powers to fund a wall on the border with Mexico. This is more disapproval than you find from just sort of your generic President Trump wants to do X. How do you feel? And then like 90 percent of Democrats say they don't like it. 85% of Republicans say they do like it, and independents kind of break 60-40-ish. Like here, it's much uglier. Um, 95% of Democrats oppose. 70% of independents uh, disapprove. That's, I think, a big headline number uh, that's bad news for the White House. Republicans, this is actually a softer number for Republicans than I had seen. I mean, there had been some other polls showing Republican support for the um, emergency declaration to be into the 80s. And this shows that it's 69%. Um, This one does, the wording I think is interesting because it specifies that this is being done without the approval of Congress. Right. So you could argue it's a little loaded, but that's also an accurate description of of what's going on. Like it's not a badly written question. It's just a little different. It's just a little different. So yeah, so they ask, um, and also in this question, using emergency executive powers to fund a wall, which is different than the NBC Wall Street Journal question, which uh, has, do you approve or disapprove of Trump declaring a national emergency to fund a southern border wall? I think there's something about declaring a national emergency that's a little bit different than Using your executive powers, I think. Yeah, well, because the, the de- hypothesis declaring a national emergency, you know, gets for in this poll, thirty nine percent say they approve, which is much better than the thirty one in yep. Quinnipiac. It does not specify that like this is without Congress, it, without Congress, um, and it doesn't, you know, it just says to fund the, a southern border wall. So it's in a way, I feel like that question is more a proxy about how you feel about the wall, where the the Quinnipiac one is more like integrates how do you feel about the use or abuse of executive power yeah 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 um yep so that's but but still it it's you know we'll see how this evolves but it's clear that you know this is still not strong particularly strong ground for the president i mean that's still true well, the the thing that I think is more concerning for the president. So the NBC Wall Street Journal poll actually had good news for him because his overall job approval was pretty good in the poll, which we'll talk about in a second. But there was some other stuff that they asked about who which party's positions are in or inside the mainstream or outside the mainstream. And Republicans are struggling on things like climate. The perception is that Republicans are outside the mainstream. 63% think that the GOP's position is outside the mainstream. On health care, 52% believe the Republican Party's position is outside the mainstream. Um, on some of the other issues, it's a little better. But on abortion, 54% say outside the mainstream, where for Democrats, majorities of Americans say their position is inside the mainstream. It's majorities, slim majorities. The only one where there's real parity is on fiscal issues such as taxing and spending, where both parties get about 47, 47 inside versus outside the mainstream. So this is, I think, if you are a Republican, the fact that the president's job approval goes up in this poll to 46%, and yet you also have this finding that shows people really think you're outside the outside the mainstream on something like climate that's that's reason to worry. Yeah. Um, now, I think there, there was a hearing, I forget if it was like a week or two ago, where a whole bunch of the Republicans on, I believe, energy and commerce, all like in their testimony said, climate change is real. It's happening. We need to fix it. And mankind is contributing. And like the chatter from folks on the Hill was that like the Democrats were like a little taken aback because they were ready to be like, ha ha, you deniers. And instead, like, 
all of the Republicans on the committee were like, climate change is happening. So I think there is uh, there is a perception that like Republicans are all like Jim Inhofe and like walk on the floor of the Senate with the snowball and say, right. climate change is a hoax. It's not right. real. Look, it's snowing outside. Um, but I really think in the last year or so, I have seen the way my fellow Republicans in D.C. talk about climate has changed a lot. Clearly, that that has not caught up to public perception, but. And and but this should be a voting, red flag. Are they voting that way? I mean, I know well, they're, they're not going to vote for the Green New Deal, Margie. So, <laughs> so I can guarantee you that. But that's there's not been the same. Else besides that, but um, yeah, no. So you're right, and that's this. The climate change is the clear is the clearest. That's example the scariest number here of where people think Republicans are outside the mainstream, and Democrats in in the mainstream. Um, and, and you know, and, and these numbers are. I mean, you, the parties are very different on all these issues, it, but they are, you know, the polling is sort of a mirror. I mean, is what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, are the numbers for Democrats uh, are a response to where people think Republicans are or vice versa? Right. Or does it say if they feel Republicans are really outside the mainstream and therefore Democrats are in the mainstream or, or do they, you know, have some assessment of like this is inside the mainstream? Are they independent or do they move together? I guess is my question. But I do like fiscal issues, asterisk, and then the rest of the question wording at the bottom of the thing. I think you should put all fiscal. I would say just taxes and spend or just say taxes only as opposed to fiscal issues such as taxes and spending. My two cents. Well, you know what? Part of the reason why I bet they asterisked that was to make the chart look pretty. To which I say tip of the cap to you. I always appreciate that. (laughs) Yes. Okay. moving on. To where there's definitely a difference by party, <laughs> and that is literally like, any other topic. Crime, <laughs> not like Law and Order ripped from the headlines. Crime, but has Trump committed crimes? I mean, as we've been doing this show, there have been all these questions that we've never seen in polling before. And is it just because we haven't been doing a show every week? And maybe. There have been polls that have asked, is the president racist and sexist, you know, for decades? And we just didn't notice them until recently. I think the answer to that is no. (laughs) That's new. But questions about, do you think the president committed crimes before he was in office or since he's been in office or both or neither? That's what we have today from Quinnipiac. So uh, Quinnipiac asked, do you think President Trump committed any crimes before he was president or do you not think so? Two thirds roughly say yes. About a third of Republicans say yes. Two-thirds of independents say yes. And then there's a separate question. Do you think that Trump has committed any crimes while he's been president or don't you think so? There it's more divided. 45% say yes. 43% say no. 12% – there's a bigger difference among Republicans, but there's also a pretty big difference among independents, less among Democrats. Um, A 20-point difference between committed crimes – before he was president and committed crimes since he's been president on both among both independents and Republicans. But there's so there's a group of Republicans, and I'd be curious what their approval rating of the president would be. We don't have that here, but of Republicans who think he's committed crimes before he was president, but not since he was president. What's the approval rating? I know there are nose holding Republicans who think he's committed crimes, but they are self-identified as Republicans. And I'm I'm assuming that the president's job approval rating is lower with those folks. But the people who are like, yeah, before, but not now. Where are they on the president? That's that's my – that's one of my questions. Yeah, I think – I mean, I can imagine someone holding the view that Trump in the course of running his business empire in New York probably had some shady dealings and some things that will right, we don't not, say when like we in, don't say when a year or two in the year or two before he became president or just you know ex- parking tickets unpaid in right. 1983 that, that there may have been stuff in his business dealings from years ago that may not pass the smell test but since he's been president he's been under a lot of scrutiny and he's been on the up and up and I think the, the reason why this is interesting is you've got now um, Madler in the house doing these this document requests of 81 82 people and organizations mm-hmm. and on the one hand my instinct was that's, that seems really broad. I wonder if the public will think, well, gosh, that's too broad. Like, you should just be focusing in on the stuff he was doing while he was president. On the other hand, if the public thinks that it is much more likely that crimes occurred before he was president, 
maybe in a way like I would just mm-hmm. be interested in the follow up question then, like, is it appropriate for Congress to investigate possible crimes committed by Trump and his companies and his family prior to his election for president Mm -hmm. versus do you think it is appropriate for Congress to investigate potential crimes pertaining to the campaign for his election for president or his time as president? Mm -hmm. Like how far away from the act of running for and being president do people think it's okay for Congress to look there? And And I'm curious. I would love to know what they think. Is it the length of time or seriousness of the crime? Because if it was unpaid parking tickets, let's say, right before he became, right before the inaugural, that's probably not as serious as a more serious crime, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. So there's there's that. Or do people, you know, do people think of all of it in that way? Or do they think of just the totality of number of potential crimes? Is that part of their consideration? Um, there was some polling, and this is Monmouth, that asks about how people feel about Cohen. Um, Public opinion was divided on how honest Cohen was. Four in 10 saying he was completely or mostly honest. Four in 10 saying he was partly or not at all honest, but a majority believe Cohen's claim that Trump reimbursed him for hush money payments. Only 12% of the public say he did not do this, with the remainder unsure. Um, So the people who have heard a lot about Cohen's testimony they are more likely to believe they're even more likely to believe Trump reimbursed Cohen. Did you watch Cohen's testimony? I watched a good chunk of it. I didn't watch that. I had there was something happening that day, what, but I watched What was some, that day? That was, I did not watch it. I'm trying to remember what on earth was I was Wednesday? doing that day. Was it last Wednesday? I don't know. Well, it was after What was happening that day? No, that's not. My calendar suspiciously empty that day, which makes me, I'm like looking back and like, oh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, that day uh, I did not actually watch um, a ton. I didn't watch really any of it. And I got a text I from think it was my, Wednesday. I got a text from a dear friend of mine who doesn't live in D.C. And she was like, are you at a bar watching the hearings? What are people in D.C. bars saying about the hearings? And I was like, that. Uh, is that happening? Oh my gosh! Like yeah, my whole it, office my, watched it. I mean, so okay. That, I was gonna say I'm like, I don't know anyone who's at a bar yeah. watching this, but I'm not. Uh, but was, okay, and so uh, it's good to know. Her yes. question was valid. I I was just like, yes, is right. that even a thing that I people are doing? Now I remember because we, we must have recorded after. Because one of the funny things was. Um, he was talking about his fake, his like Twitter account. Somebody who was interview, you know, questioning him said, "Oh, what about your fake Twitter?" So you had a fake Twitter account. He's like, "It wasn't a fake Twitter account. It exists. It exists." In a way, I don't know why. I mean, I didn't watch much, so that was what stuck out from like my live con- con- consumption. I saw the highlights, of course. Um, anyway, so people believed Cohen over Trump. Uh, remember, we released a poll. A few months back, that showed Trump uh, Cohen's approval rate. He had like a four percent favorable rating or something like single digits. I don't know if it was four or five or six, but it was single digits. I don't know if that's changeable. See, that doesn't have this here. Um, here's something else from Monmouth that I think people should keep in mind and think about the question wording here. It says only three in ten think any new information could come out about Trump that would significantly change public views about him while two-thirds say people are set in their ways, right? So this is this question that I get all the time. I'm sure you get all the time. Like, well, does it, you know, does it even matter? People are going to care. Doesn't his base love whatever it is? Like, people who are with him are with him and people who don't like him haven't liked him for years. And, you know, who's moving from all of this? And so this question asks... So this tries to get at that issue, but it asks people about what they think other people's public opinion would be. And so that's, to me, is less useful than saying, what about you? Is there anything that Trump could do that would change your opinion of him? Yeah. I think the the asking about, like, how do you think your neighbors feel or whatever is a useful tool when you're trying to do public opinion research on something that is either so, like social desirability issues where people might not confess that they themselves hold that view but might be able to say like, oh, yeah, I bet my neighbors think that way. But I don't know that this question right. is the sort of thing that's measured 
better by that. And is it a yes, no question also? Because is there something Trump could do? Yeah, he could do everything the opposite of what he's currently doing. And then maybe I would change my, it might change my impression. But like, is, do you I, hear that, Mr. President? I don't the think challenge, that's <laughs> The challenge has been made. I, I didn't say it would improve it a lot, but it would be, it would change my impression in some way, right? If he did literally the opposite of everything he does. If all of a sudden he woke up and was like, I've had a revelation I am going to do things like that show a you know the basic modicum of intellectual curiosity and compassion, right? So, but that's not going to happen. So my answer to this would be no. But some people might say, well, there is something out there. You know, I someone in a you know like somebody. In a, I mean, he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, right? That would be the other side. And someone would say, well, I guess that would make me change my mind about him. How would you answer that question, right? Is there something possible in the world, or? Is it, you know, there is something that's likely that's possible in the world. Anyway, so that's my quibble. Those are my two quibbles with that question. So before we go to a quick break, we should just touch on the president's job approval really quickly, which is is still basically where it was. I mean, you had two kind of conflicting polls come out. You had NBC Wall Street Journal that showed a jump up to 46 percent, which is pretty good for him in that poll. On the other hand, Quinnipiac showed no movement compared to where things were in late January, which was like full on into the ugly part of the shutdown. Um, And they asked in this poll about different traits. Do you think Trump is honest? Does he have good leadership skills? Does he care about average Americans? Uh, The splits are sort of what you would think. They line up pretty closely with his job approval. 39% say he has good leadership skills. 39% say he cares about average Americans. There's, you know, a 38 job approval. I'll bet you those are strongly correlated. The one number where he loses a lot of ground is on is he a good role model for children? 22 percent say yes. 71 percent say no. Yeah. Uh, Which there is. So there's a, a gift that I used to get for friends when they would have a baby and it was these like like presidential blocks. Right. Um, and they, it ended with Obama. And then I noticed that they, they don't sell those anymore. Like that product has vanished because I assume the makers of that product do not probably are not supporters of the president and are not super hype about like let's – Make a Trump block for children. I'm s- assuming that so somebody has written a story about like what does it all mean for the people who sell like T-shirts at National Airport and presidential tchotchkes and you know all those things, right? I'm, yeah, I'm, there's got to be. Cover- I mean, it's you know there's got to be coverage on that. Like, does that change how people interact with the merch? I mean, you could. Pr- American I'm sh- merch. I am. I am- 100% sure that it would take me about 15 seconds of Googling to find baby apparel right. that is sure. Trump baby right? Trump. Like right. that, w- that wouldn't be hard. But this was just like a nonpartisan, like American history. Here are the presidents. And I have just noticed that We're I can no longer buy that block break. set yeah. now that they're just going to take is a, pause a new president. So from that piece of American history. Uh, Speaking of breaks, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Okay, so there's still lots more from the NBC Wall Street Journal poll and other polls about the election. So, you know, Trump's image is sort of where it's been. Um, That's unchanged. But you have a lot more polling now about 2020, whether it's the Dem side or the general. There's not yet. I did look for this. I'm like, is there a generic ballot tracker yet? There's not. That doesn't exist. So that's why we still have to do approval. But there is. Still, you know, people are asking it in state level polls, national polls, and also what do people want out of a candidate? So this was the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. How enthusiastic or comfortable or would you have reservations or very uncomfortable would you feel about all kinds of different, you know, types of candidates? And this I thought was fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating from a polling perspective, not like from the how do you ask about this kind of perspective, not necessarily the results per se. Um, so the winner 
is an African-American, 87% would feel enthusiastic or comfortable. White man comes in second at 86%, woman at 84%, and then it starts to drop off a little bit, but still majorities feel comfortable about a variety of different types of folks, person who's gay or lesbian, an independent, someone under 40, business executive, evangelical Christian, 49% just half say Muslim, 37% someone over 75, that's lower, and a socialist is at the bottom of 25%. Now, this is of everybody, so this isn't of the Democratic primary electorate. This is asked of everybody in the NBC Wall Street Journal poll, so it's like all registered voters. So you would see different responses here if you were looking at Democrats versus Republicans or independents. Also, the chart, folks can look at the top lines, has the intensity. So enthusiasm is different than enthusiastic plus comfortable. And as we've talked about before, are people kind of back in getting backing themselves into their answer here based on who they support? If you're a Republican, wouldn't you say a white man because that's who you expect to be voting for because you expect to vote to reelect the president as opposed to some of these other folks? And then on top of that, what social pressures are there to say that you want to you be enthusiastic about X, Y, or Z type of person? Well, and there's also – so some of the things on here, a business executive, to your point about are people backing into their right. answer, you might – actually in the abstract be fine with a business executive but right. if you think that's code for trump right. and there aren't really business executives yet on the other side or it's howard either schultz. trump or howard schultz and so you're like well i'm not really crazy about them so i'm going to say no i mean i would i was surprised that business executive was only 56 percent. i thought he was a member of congress yeah but he was a business executive. I guess that's that. true. People can have other jobs. Um, I was interested in this because sometimes when I am writing questionnaires, if I'm writing one of these ones that's like balanced on both sides, um, but I like I can't get the wording to work in an exactly mirrored fashion. So like this one does not say like very comfortable, somewhat comfortable, right. somewhat uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, yeah. which is probably how I would have written it. This one is enthusiastic, comfortable, with some reservations, very uncomfortable. Just kind of an interesting way of structuring it. And even though it it feels less parallel, I actually am okay with it because I think those those words do capture a linear Ford. spectrum mm-hmm. of how you could feel right. comfort-wise. Right. So but is there like this equidistance between each answer category? You know, no. So it's not... It's not on a zero to 10 scale. It is, you know, four different words. Right? Yeah. But just from a, a polling industry perspective, I looked at that and I thought, oh, if I had like if, if like someone on my team had written that questionnaire and handed it to me, like that would have given me anxiety. Yeah. And been like, <laughs> we have to make the scale parallel. Like we have to we have to balance this. Right, What's right, happening? right, right. Are we but sure I, these are the right words here? You come over here. <laughs> I'm going to read these words to you. Does what do you this think? sound right to you? But <laughs> yeah. upon upon reflection, I actually think it does sound sound right. Um, I got asked about this a ton. I was on outnumbered on Fox on Monday and they were very like. Oh my gosh, a socialist over 75 would never win. Is this doom for Bernie? And so we discussed. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> no, no, no further comment. No, no. Uh, I mean, are we there yet? Are we at that, that point yet? I mean, no, I did not mention it last week, but I might as well mention now since I've done disclosure so many times before. And so for folks f- who are close readers of the news would probably have seen that my husband was one of the folks who left the Sanders team uh, two weeks ago. Um, and so I don't. I spent a lot of time figuring out how to like be totally, truly impartial commentator on all things Bernie Sanders. And I don't think I need to do that anymore. Anyway, so um, hit me up in real life if you want. <laughs> there was this morning that like over... It was like 7.30 in the morning and my husband was out and my kids, like it was already like 7.30 in the morning and my kids were like, why doesn't daddy work with Bernie anymore? And like, why did grandma divorce grandpa? I'm like, I need to go on background for all of this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I at least need some coffee. <laughs> I'm not quite ready for these challenging questions. I was not prepared <laughs> for this. Yep. And this is like, can we talk about Santa's real or something? <laughs> a little bit easier, warm up to these. <laughs> For the kids listening, Santa is real. <laughs> no kids listen to the pollsters. Although you don't know. Are. They could be listening with their kids in the car. Santa is definitely real, guys. Yes, definitely 
definitely real. Uh, that's uh, good. You so got my bag. The other thing that uh, they asked in this NBC Wall Street Journal poll was, uh, how likely are you to vote for Trump in 2020 versus previous presidents? So in this poll, they this is a, it's a it's a scale that's balanced. Definitely or probably vote right. for the incumbent. Definitely or probably vote against the incumbent. It's like a perfectly balanced little scale. Um, Donald Trump, 48% say they would definitely or probably vote against the incumbent. 41% say they will definitely or probably vote for the incumbent. This is worse than what Barack Obama had. Barack Obama was a plus five on the for versus against scale. George W. Bush was plus 10. Um, This is um, being minus seven is not great on this question. Now, there are a couple of other polls that have come out in different states that have asked this in an interesting way. So because we don't have a Democratic nominee yet, you can either say, like, would you vote for or against Trump? Right. Would you vote for Trump or a generic Democrat? Right. Or the Democratic nominee. Or the Democratic nominee. But yes. Would does Trump deserve to be reelected? Or would you vote to reelect Trump or yep. would you consider somebody else? Yeah. And so this was the the formulation from the Ben Dixon and Associates poll out of Florida this week. Um Florida being or pardon me, Ben Dixon and Amadi International. Sorry, I think it used to be Ben Dixon and Associates. Now I'm correcting it. Um, A a Democratic firm that I believe focuses on studying Latino voters and uh, found that 53 percent of Florida likely voters, um, which I don't know how they determine likely voter, but 53 percent say they believe they do not believe Donald Trump should be reelected. Now, the things to keep in mind about this question is one. You may not believe someone deserves to be reelected. That doesn't necessarily mean you will vote for their opponent. Right. You may just not vote at all. You may believe they don't deserve to be reelected, but they're better than the alternative. Right. So no one deserves it, but whatever. So it's not exactly a proxy for a a will you vote to reelect. But this is this has got to be. If it's you, still not good news. It's not good news. And especially if you consider that Florida was one of the states where the blue wave did not wash as much out. Like at the statewide level, you had Rick Scott pick up a Senate seat and you had uh, Ron DeSantis win the governor's mansion. I mean, in other states that were close-ish states, like Republicans did not do as well. Um, And yet Florida kind of hung on. So if you- At least the statewide. I mean, there were congressional Sure, like Corbello and there, yeah, there were certainly things that were lost for, and I believe Democrats made gains in the state legislature too. Yes, but I don't think they- Flips, but no. they try to flip, but they're it, it, they, the there chambers. was a big deficit. Yeah. It would have taken yeah. a lot to flip it. Um, but yeah, so th- these this is not good news if you are President Trump because you would really prefer that Florida not be a state. I mean, it's going to be a state that's on the board, but like the less money you have to spend in expensive media markets yeah. like Miami, the better. And so, um, but he spends all that time there at Mar-a-Lago, not having an impact, I guess. But yeah, it's one. It's similar to. It, it's not quite as much of an example of this, but it is similar to the Mammoth question, where it was like, "Do you think other people's public opinion can move?" This is, "Do you think he should be reelected?" Is a little bit different than asking, "What about how are you going to vote?" And so, I just caution. That everybody to just take a look at the question wording or when you're writing your own questions to make sure you're being deliberate about are you asking people about what they're going to do or are you deliberately asking them about someone else, which is fine, but just as long as you're clear that that's your plan. Um, and then I guess this is in here because you're the expert in all things millennial. Um, Trump is very unpopular with 18 to 29-year-olds. Yeah, and I bet a lot of that has to do with the Racial the selfie and, vote. Well, the selfie <laughs> vote. And the racial and ethnic diversity of yeah. young people in Florida. I mean, yeah. Florida, on the one hand, is a very diverse state. You have an, But you also have, like, an awful lot of older retirees uh, who are largely white. Um, but then you have, like, a younger population, folks that have come over from Puerto Rico, uh, folks living in central and south Florida. It's a very diverse community. So I, I assume that's also a part of it. Yep. And then so Texas did a poll, and this is a – the state of Texas didn't do a poll, but there's a Quinnipiac poll of Texas that shows Trump in some trouble there. And, you know, we talk a lot about the Democratic primary. We're going to talk about it in a bit. And there's a lot of conversation about who's in and who's out. And this poll is actually not that different from what some national and other polls have shown, which is, you know, the, the results right now are pretty similar no matter who is in the 
ballot against Trump. And you, you see that he I mean, there are a little bit of differences, but um, 47 Trump uh, uh, to 46 for Biden. Um, 47-45 if it's against Sanders, 47-46 if it's against Beto O'Rourke. So those numbers are not really different, you know, that different. They're basically, you know, essentially ties. Um, and then a slight, a small single-digit Trump lead with some of the other candidates who are a little bit, I'm assuming, a little bit less well-known in the state. 46-41 uh, for Castro, 46-48. Let me put my glasses on. 48-41 against Harris and 48-41 against Warren. The, the fact that the hypothetical matchups of Trump versus Biden, Trump versus Sanders, and Trump versus Beto O'Rourke in Texas, the fact that they are all almost identical, to me, really underscores this is going to be a referendum on Trump. Like, there's a lot of talk about, and I've even been guilty of this, and, and I, I somewhat hold it to still be true, where people will say, well, is, is Trump going to get reelected? And I go, well, it depends on who Democrats nominate. But actually... <laughs> Does it at a certain level? I mean, the, that if this is truly an, a referendum on Trump and it's you like him or you don't like him. And if you don't like him, you're sort of willing to accept whoever Democrats put up. I mean, Biden, Sanders and O'Rourke, besides all being white guys, are like that's all they have in common. Right. Like Biden and Sanders are at very different places on the ideological spectrum. Biden and O'Rourke are at very, and Sanders are all very different places on the age spectrum. And yet they all poll almost the same against Trump. Uh, that and and so just to me that sort of suggests that at least at this stage in the game I mean this is really it's kind of a referendum on Trump because these are also three people that are not going to have name ID problems in Texas right. people in Texas know who Biden Sanders and O'Rourke are so it's not like that's the factor yeah indeed um okay so let's see here then you've got so then the, we have morning consult has oh, yeah. done a who's winning the Democratic primary uh as of right now, Joe Biden, 31 percent, up two points from last week. Bernie Sanders, 27 percent, no change. Kamala Harris is at 11 percent in third place, up one point from last week. Um, if you just look at folks in early primary states, the numbers don't change a ton. It's still Joe Biden in first, Bernie Sanders in second. I mean, you know. Big drop off Kamala Harris. It, it is. I mean, look, the, this is. It's, I suppose, helpful for them to show who's moving up and or down in some slight way. Ultimately, you know, people are going to want to see more volatility. They're not going to want to see, but they're going to be more interested in movement than actually exists out in the world. Because, you know, this is even if you're talking about the early voting states are still, you know, there's not a lot of airtime. I mean, it's obviously the field's not set, et cetera, et cetera. Um, What's interesting is some of these questions that uh, ha outlets have put out where they're trying to figure out what Democratic primary voters want. So it's to this question of, you know, who do they want? Is it a referendum of Trump? What are people looking for? Um, so Morning Consult asked, do Democrats want uh, a candidate who can heal the division in our country by bringing people together with different views or will fight back and willing to break the rules to move the country in a different direction? There, it's overwhelming that the healing piece wins with Democratic primary voters. Um, I don't know about break the rules, probably might hurt that other side in this question. Someone will fight back and is willing to break the rules. I mean, I don't what what rules exactly are we talking about there? So, yeah. The other one isn't say follow the rule. Anyway, like so campaign finance rules, you know, right? Or, or don't just break like, don't break those guys. Yeah, especially <laughs> after you just spent a long time railing against dark money and politics. Right. I don't think that's what that means. Don't funnel a million or that dollars just means to like, your campaign you know, manager. Sorry, I, uh, it, it's not clear, right? It's not clear. So, um, and then NBC Wall Street Journal poll had a question, and a lot of outlets are asking this question: Do you want someone who with a candidate who's got the best chance to defeat Trump, or a candidate who comes closest to your views? And there. It's a little bit closer. I think the sign that the morning console question is so lopsided is a sign that like that's not it's not necessarily it's not like that's not the tension because it's so overwhelming for healing. Not that people don't want a healer. I'm not saying that that's not what people want. I'm just saying that the I think the other one needed a slight edit. But the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. 40% say a candidate with the best chance of beating Trump, 56% a candidate who comes closest to your own views. A suggestion to our morning consult friends who may be listening, a way I might restructure this question to get at what I think they're trying to get at is, would you want a candidate who will heal the division in our country 
by bringing together people with different views to make compromise. You know, stick with the first one. Right. But for the second one, what I think they're trying to say is someone who's going to push forward on, like, moving America in a different direction, even if it's not a consensus position, even if there are 40 percent of Americans who are like, whoa, where are you taking it? You're basically like you're going to take America in a different direction from what Trump has done, even if it ticks off the 40 percent of America that still really likes Trump. Like you're OK with the friction of we're just going to go in a very different direction versus someone that's like, let's all heal. Let's bring the Trump people in and find what we all agree on. Like just I, I think the break the rule, fight back and break the rules sounds so negative. Mm-hmm. And I think you could make it fairer by instead structuring that as do you want someone who's going to like boldly take the country in a different direction, even if it. Well, there's you lots know, of different measures. Are we talking about the direction that they're actually going? Or are we talking are we talking about policy or are we talking about style? You know? And so as this question seems like it's talking about style, it's not or maybe it is talking about policy, you know? Well, and th- it's, it's not the, totally it's clear. It's the make the make compromises made me kind of think it. So that's why I'm trying to figure out like a way to structure it that gets at both of those things. It's basically like on issues of gender, race, equality, religion, how we do the economy, judges, like all of these different things. Trump has taken the country in one direction. Right. Do we want someone who's going to say, I don't love that, but let's find some compromise and healing so that the 40 percent or 45 percent of people that like that direction still feel like they or do we just go like, nope, we won. Now we're doing our thing. So. Uh, right. And so I, I guess I think it's possible for somebody to have a message on like we can, you know, we can do things that are progressive or moving the country in a different direction, but without all this fighting, that this like fighting, you know, the bullying and the acrimony and the partisan bickering, like that's people really don't like. And we can, you know, make some changes in a way that's where we're civil to each other and people Mm -hmm. aren't like unfriending their family members and whatever. So I I feel like that there's a style piece and then there's also a like, I'm just going to, you know, I, I, we need to make major changes. We need to have bold, you know, like really big ideas that move people very far one direction or the other and, you know, th- and like get on board. And so that to me is like a policy piece. So NBC Wall Street Journal had a different question that's kind of of this ilk. Um, so and, and I feel like it has too many things in that one. It's just hard because these are complicated topics and we're not sure what people are thinking of. I mean, look, we re- are reading them differently. Mm-hmm. So how do you think response, respondents are going to read them? So NBC Wall Street Journal said, um, you know, same kind of thing. I have Democratic primary voters. Someone who proposes larger scale policies that cost more and might be harder to pass in a law but could bring major changes or – Someone who proposes smaller scale policies that cost less and might be easier to pass in a law, but will bring less change. So that's clearly about policy. Um, it, but it's got like, you know, three different clauses in there in yeah. each of them <laughs> that I think make it a little complicated for people to figure out what they're what they're thinking about. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Edison Infinite Dial study. How many of you are listening to podcasts? An awful lot of you, it turns out. (laughs) And we'll talk about what's going on in the campaign consulting world when we come back. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups it would quadruple the number of american inventors and increase annual gdp by almost one trillion dollars invent together is a coalition of organizations companies universities and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent because the more diverse the american patent system gets the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. All right, welcome back to The Pollsters. We up now have a really exciting... I remember I had never heard of this study before. And then the very first... This was like one of our first Pollsters episodes. Yes, yes. We talked about... 
And I was like, this is really meta. This is like one yes. of our first episodes, and we're yes. talking about a poll on podcasting. I know. I was like, this is great. What if we had something like this every week? It's but a it's poll just... on podcasting on our podcast yes. about polls. I know. It's Hooray! And, and every year, every year, <laughs> Joe Lenski from um, Edison like sends it to us because he knows how much we're excited. He's like... Hi, ladies. <laughs> Here's our poll on podcasts again, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm always ex- I'm equal. I'm excited about it every year, so I feel like it's a good like c- circle, you know, cycle of life that <laughs> this is here. So in 2006, when I moved to DC, my roommate Kelly worked at a PR firm and was in charge of the podcasting arm of this PR firm, and it was like 2006. It was like, wait, like. Who is doing podcasts? The only podcast I really remember from the time was that Frank Newport from yes. Gallup used to do like a quick, and he has the world's best radio voice and would do like a quick polling minute and I'd listen to it. Like I could start at the top of the escalator in Roslyn and by the time I got to the train, like if I just stood there, like I think it was like a short, like the number of the day type yes. thing. Um, but podcasting was really off my radar until 2015 when you were like, let's do a show. And by 2015, it had gone from 11% of Americans had listened to a podcast up to 33%. Um, But that growth has continued apace. Now, in just the last four years, we have now gotten to 51% of people in the U.S. over the age of 12 say that they have listened to a podcast. Yeah. I mean, it goes up like, I mean... I guess the question for Joe Lenski is, would you, if this ever goes down, will you still release it? It'll be like, oh, we're redacting the section on podcasts this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it just keeps going up. Like, it's great, you know? So um, the percent that people who are listening to podcasts is going up. Um, the number of podcasts now, people listen to seven on average of the last week, which is pretty exciting. How many other, how many podcasts do you listen to? And I will say, I don't listen to our show because I don't like the sound no, of my own voice. No, same. There's like some scientific reason why you're, you, people don't like the sound. It's not just, you know, everybody has the same quirk. There's a reason why people... Anyway, so, no, I don't listen to the pollsters. I do listen to... There's probably, like, five to seven that I have a regular relationship. I had a couple that have gone away recently that have made me sad. Um, and so I need to find a good replacement, or do I just move to audiobooks but audiobooks I feel like I, I fall asleep or I space out and then and then I'm and then I'm lost so that's my challenge with audiobooks but um so I have like a good five to seven and then I have a good 15 to 20 that are in my periphery like oh let's see what's happening with criminal right now you know that kind of thing you probably have much more elevated podcast tastes than I do I think the the current high the high-end podcast that I'm listening to right now is like the ABC uh, series about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, oh. the dropout, because I cannot wait for the HBO documentary to come oh, out. So really? this is like tiding me God, over until it drops. We just can't get enough as a society of that story. I want to read Bad Blood. Like everybody, like she was, she was going to be Forbes' uh, youngest self-made female billionaire, and that didn't work out well. So Kylie Jenner, watch yourself. It <laughs> ended badly for the first, the last gal who had that title. No, the momager is not going to whatever her name Chris is. Chris Jenner will <laughs> not, not allow let that happen. Well, so th- <laughs> that is the setup for my podcast consumption. Right. Is Jam session, which is, I believe, women in their 30s talking about the Kardashians and various other celebrities slash royal gossip. Tea Time, which is the Ringers podcast, same subject matter, but it's kind of for women in their 20s. It's so, like I don't get all the references sometimes. I like, think I have the podcast taste of like a 60 year old. Yeah, they, they talk a lot more about like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, and I'm like, no, he's like, he's not as much on my radar. Sorry. Um, and then, yeah, like during NFL season, I listen to sports podcasts. When Game of Thrones comes back, I will have a great deal of Game of Thrones podcasts to listen to. I'm not including in my list all the podcasts that my kids listen to. So my kids oh. have their own list of podcasts that they like in the car. And they each have different ones, of course, because why would they agree on the podcast? That would be too simple. So they, I, I don't understand why. They're all the same. I mean, they're all good. Like, I don't like annoy that they have different t- tastes in them because then, like, it's just another thing to fight about. But yep. anyway, so we, there are like two or three that they have a relationship with that are the ones that I can stand. Anyway, so this doesn't even include kids, but younger people, I'm assuming, when we've done, when they've looked at this before, younger <laughs> I, people have, you know, even more podcasting. What I wish they would ask. <laughs> How many of you are hosting a podcast? I know, right? <laughs> like, because like, I, I do feel like now. It's crazy. 
everyone's got a podcast. There is a gal at Echelon, um, Kira, who she has a podcast, which I have just discovered and now need to begin listening to. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a goal for myself. At one point, I'm like, I should buy and read all the books that anybody I know has written. Nope. And now- You, you can't. I just, my meager goal is to listen to one episode of the podcast that everybody I know has. And I also fail. <laughs> I fail at that I am, as well. <laughs> I'm very sympathetic when I'm like, I, I encounter a friend and they're like, how's it going? Oh, how's the podcast? I'm so sorry. I have not listened yeah, to it. Yeah, I'm like, I never get mad about that. There's a lot out there, guys. Yeah. It's all good. It's such an intimate thing, you know? So yeah, I don't I don't get mad if you haven't listened to it. Well, if you're listening then you, it doesn't matter. But if you're listening, <laughs> if you've made it 50 some minutes into this episode, <laughs> next time you, you see either of us, yes, say we're not mad at everyone else, but we like you a little better. <laughs> the eagle flies at midnight. That's your code phrase that you actually listened to minute 50 whatever. I think we whatever. did that once and somebody I had like a client email me something. I was like, "Oh, I'm embarrassed. You, you get friend slash client slash listener brownie yes. points if you <laughs> contact us with the code phrase. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm trying to see now. Is there uh, something else? In the... No. It's, well, Women. It's... Okay, so there's still a gap. All right, I wanted to find. There's actually, there's still a gap in a gender gap in podcast listening. 36% of men, 29% of women. And that seems like that's a little bit bigger or as big, as I guess, as it's been in the past. I mean, I know it's a little bit bigger. It's bigger than it's been in the past. Come on, ladies. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just click. Just click on the little button. Yeah. So to wrap things up, we have Campaigns and Elections magazine. It's their inaugural State of the Campaign Industry Survey, where they have surveyed practitioners. Yeah. So first, I have a little bit of a beef. My beef is, first of all, this is, remember, I worked, this this survey, I don't know where to begin. This survey, I'm just like, <laughs> Bernie Sanders, I was like, I'm just going to let that go by. But this study of campaign <laughs> consultants, I have a lot I need to say, okay? So, let it out. So, let it out, Margie. So first of all, I always find it strange that folks don't pitch us more, like our colleagues and competitors in the industry don't send us their public stuff. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not insulted by it. But I'm like, don't you want somebody like this is, you know, we're the sh- the only podcast that's like for sure going to read it. You know? Yeah. And it, so pitch us. You know, nobody pitches us. Other, like Pew sends us stuff. PRI. Like if there are a few that send us their stuff. Yeah. If you my my friends listening at POS yeah. and we Terrence, know, we, we know love you. you. Send we know you stuff. listen. We know your staff listens. I don't know. But we know the team staffs at these places listen. So, yeah, send us your stuff. Like, we, you know, we, we can't guarantee that we'll talk about it, but we often do. Um, So this was done. It's about consultants. It was done by my by Jason Box, who was my buddy at my last gig. We would walk by his office on the way to record. I love Jason. Every, every week, Kristen would give him like a, a, a yellow, you know, as we walked by to the <laughs> recording studio. And I did not get this from him. I just saw it out in the ether. I mean, it did make it to playbooks. Maybe it doesn't need like little old pollsters, you know, but... Still, I thought this seemed like as meta as the p- poll about podcasts, the poll about consultants, you know, you should just pitch us. Anyway, so still, I thought, and I thought the results, I'm, we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, it, the results are pretty funny, I think, pretty interesting. I liked, in particular, the Me Too piece. So this was done, I'm assuming it was done by people who subscribe to campaigns and elections. It was like 400. I, I, I mean, I didn't get any. I'm assuming that's who their sample was. Doesn't say, but I'm assuming that's where it came from. But I like the question about: do, do you think political consulting has a Me Too problem? And more say yes than say no, or agree rather than disagree with like a major difference by party. That yep. Democrats were far more likely to say they agree than Republicans are now. It's not saying do you have a Me Too problem in your. So, like our Democrats think like D's and you know Republicans have me too, or they think all of them have, or we're more sensitive to it, or maybe you know the argument could be like well maybe it is more rampant on the Democratic side. That's why the Democrats are saying that their industry has a Me Too problem. Unclear, um, but it was striking massive difference in by party on this. Mm-hmm. One of the other questions that I enjoyed was which of the following unethical campaign practices have you encountered I, in your career? I know. Number one at the top, overselling yes. capabilities. And I'm like, what? That's not. I, what's I unethical that about that? All the time. But and this is why there 
there are certain things that like Echelon does not sell. Like yes. there are certain methodologies or audiences that some people promise, oh, we can survey this audience. And I'm like, baloney, garbage, fake news. Yes, I have looked into every true. possible way you can survey that audience. It does not exist. You are getting garbage. So like there's certain things yes. I just won't sell. Push polling, but, you know, but like uh, these are these are kind of vague terms. So overselling capability is like we're going to get that to you, you know, in two weeks. I can name that tune in ten days. You know, I can name that tune in nine days, right? So there's always like a you know some yeah. people might be doing a little bit of that push polling. That's like a made up. That's like mostly made up thing. Like I think so. Yeah, I was surprised that I, that got to fifty percent. I know it's pollsters aren't doing it right like maybe you're maybe you have some shady phone bank on the side doing something but i've i have not encountered that so improper billing which is low here does that mean like because I, I mean that's probably the most likely thing right like improper billing like oh i'm sorry i forgot that that's the wrong address or you know travel goes on the next bill i mean i know that that's not what it you know because it says unethical so you're like unethical improper billing not like a mistake you yeah, know, just an honest mistake, but still the phrase like improper billing is like a th- you know not and necessarily I was also curious about the overcharging clients. Right. Does that mean that you are selling something for a lot that they could get from another vendor somewhere right. else? Because the, the theoretically, I mean, the burden is sort of on the consumer to be shopping around right. before they sign a contract. Like. Theoretically, if you are overcharging for a service, if the market is working, you should just not get the business. Right. So, or is it like you say, I'm going to do this focus group for, you know, X, and then you just send them an invoice for 2X and hope they don't notice? With, and I see, I think of that as improper billing. Yeah. I don't know. Jason, don't if know. you had sent this to us, we could have asked you follow up and we would, you know, <laughs> figure it out. Now, the, the other one, oh, the, the last one on this list I thought was interesting improper coordination with outside groups. I feel like I have seen folks jump through hoops and do all sorts of backbends to be legal. Yeah. But I have never witnessed anyone like, Oh, like we're gonna like we're gonna improperly coordinate. Yes. I've seen people like try really hard to be like coordinating like, over do here not down the hall. Email me at this account. You have to email me at the one that's with the C four. Like people have they go to great lengths to comply with the law, but that's not that to me is not improper coordination. It's just like enormous backbends to be on the right side of the law. Yeah, because campaign finance law is crazy. Yeah, no. I, so, <laughs> Setting that aside, so that's a whole other conversation. So here, and they also ask, like, are these things ethical, clearly unethical, questionable, acceptable? And so one of them was uh, appeals to voters based on racism, sexism, or religious intolerance. 68% say clearly unethical, but a quarter say questionable. 5% say acceptable. You know, that's – it's fra- – I mean – that's where people – I mean, of course, people are going to answer it that way, right? But there are things that someone might say, well, I, this wasn't based on intolerance. This was just based on something else. Um, uh, also, guys, push polls is clearly unethical, but let's define push polls correctly. Yeah. A push poll is not message testing. They are not the same. A poll that is trying to see does a message nudge someone one way or the other – has asked them a ballot and then asks them a ballot afterwards. That is not a push poll. Yeah. So let's just get our definitions right. A push poll is if I'm asking you a question where I don't care what your answer is because all I'm trying to do is sway you by delivering information under the phony right. guise I'm calling of like ten thousand people. That not 400. is a push poll. Right. Yes. Don't push poll, guys. I have not really experienced or witnessed it, but don't you dare if you're listening to this show. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, they said, how likely do you think a variety of things will happen? And 87% of consultants said one or both major party presidential campaigns will be hacked. That's mm. that's pretty high. That is pretty high. Well, on the other hand, I there was another question here that was like, how much do you think the result of the 2020 election will be in doubt because of – claims of foreign interference and I actually thought the number was much lower than it should have been like I feel like the answer is unequivocally yes regardless of what the facts are or who wins like this is just our new it's a new way to be like I didn't like the result even if true or untrue I'm not saying it will or won't be true I'm saying no matter what happens it's hard for me to envision a world where we get 
a week after the next presidential election and no one is like making noise about foreign interference, even if it doesn't happen. And it probably is like Russia didn't find a new hobby, guys. We should have been polled. Margie's not saying anything. <laughs> we should have been polled. Okay. We have lots of, we had lots of, that was like our most animated conversation of the, of the show was about that. Okay. So what is on the trend line this week? Uh, I have an interview scheduled with uh, Congresswoman Haley Stevens. Cool. Getting more Democrats on the show, which I'm She's excited about. She's part of your like talking to the younger members, Talking right? to the younger kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will be fun. Uh, yeah, that's that's the big headliner for the week. Uh, but there's there's always I always do a couple different interviews. We'll be talking about the latest polls. We'll probably talk. I I don't know if I'm going to talk about the infinite dial. Like, is it awkward for me to talk about uh, d- nope. trends about radio and listening on a satellite radio? They show? might have something in there on it. Is it I, too I have to meta? Say, though? Sorry, Joe Lenski. I don't read the rest of it. That's not about podcasts for the most part. Every because it's there's a lot in there, and I don't look at the other stuff. Look, they have Sirius XM audio sources ever used in a car. Sirius XM is lower than podcasts. Okay, yeah, maybe you should just leave that part out. <laughs> Otherwise, like the lights will like, go off. And you'll be like, okay, never mind. It's we can do. It's gonna. That's just that one slide. It's Let's just, just evacuate out of this show right now. We're getting ourselves an all. Oh gosh! Well, occasionally Kristen's. Occasionally, I have to misspeak on Kristen's behalf. Okay, um, that's cool. Well, good luck with your interview with the congresswoman. Um, okay, so other key findings. So if you have a poll to pitch to pitch us, yeah. We're talking to you, Jason. Anybody else you got a poll for us, you should send it our way. Emergency declaration, spend less time on social media. That's my emergency declaration. And spend more time listening to podcasts like yours truly, The Pollsters. You can find us on Twitter at, at The Pollsters, individually at, at Margie O'Mero and at K. Soltis Anderson, or on Facebook or at www.thepolsters.com. Thanks. Bye.